Hey everybody, it's Randy, and I want to welcome you to episode number two of The Vine to Zero. Uh, remember, um, if this is your first time visiting us, um, hit on that subscribe button and share it with your friends and colleagues, and um, connect with us on The Vine to Zero. Uh, today, I'm really excited to get uh, our next interview out. Um, today's uh, guest is Mark Steinhofer. Uh, Mark is uh, one of my business partners. Mark's safety journey started in 1997 with General Electric, where he served as a quality and safety engineer. During his time at GE, Mark was involved with all HSE programs related to job hazard analysis, Six Sigma, ergonomics, as well as managing numerous training programs. He continued his career with Danis Environmental Industries in St. Petersburg, Florida, as a safety engineer, where he got his first experience with contractor safety management. Mark joined our team in 2000, and during his 19 years with us, he has served in many capacities, supporting multiple clients in and outside of the United States. Currently, Mark leads our efforts in the areas of leadership and behavioral concepts, expert witness testimony, and provides management support for a team of safety and environmental professionals who work across the United States. Mark obtained his bachelor's in occupational safety and health from Murray State University, his master's degree in safety management from Indiana State, and he also holds a doctorate in safety engineering. Mark holds designations as a certified safety professional, certified utility safety professional, and a certified health and safety technician. Mark is an adjunct professor in the Department of Engineering and Technology for the Purdue School of Engineering, and he also serves as chairman for the Indiana Occupational Safety Standards Commission. Mark is very passionate about teaching, and it is evident in our conversation today where we touch on traditional versus untraditional teaching, generational leadership, the importance of building a strong rapport, and much, much more. We had a fun time with this one today, so please enjoy episode two that Mark titled The Lost Art of Human Interaction. Well, Mark, uh, welcome to The Vine, my friend. Hey, thank you very much. Great to be here. Yep, awesome. So Mark um, is uh, one of my business partners, and um, he's been with Safety Management Group uh, starting your 19th year. That's right. It's unbelievable when you go back in time. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, why don't we jump right in and um, talk about your background and what you've been doing and um, how you got your start in safety. Okay. Thanks, Randy. Hey, uh, my background for the folks out there listening is it's kind of unique in a sense that I kind of came in through understanding of working in construction and dealing with construction of, you know, uh, while I was going to college, coming in and, and digging basements and putting in foundation for different contract firms that really didn't understand safety, had no concept of safety. But at that time, when I was young, I didn't have a concept either of safety. Um, so then, you know, and a long story short is I was underneath a triaxle uh, dump truck and we were greasing the uh, axles of the low boy and I uh, had a boss came out, started screaming at myself and started screaming at some folks just like most superintendents do at a time. <laughs> and um, he got the dump truck driver so uh, flustered that he actually jumped in the truck and um, didn't look underneath to see if we were done greasing the axles and uh, pulled out and ran my uh, partner over that we were working and he was actually going to i think he was in east coast college and ran him over and you know th thank the good lord that he was a smaller person skinnier person and that axle rolled right over him but at that time you know that's when i was playing football i was a little bit bigger like, like more stature i guess not bigger um i probably would have been killed 
and I actually got up out of that um, off the ground and went right in and, and quit and actually quit right then and there. Um, and then went into safety, started looking at safety because my brother was in safety and my brother's two years older. So it's our family connection. And so we went through and, and I started getting into safety and then I really liked the construction flavor. I've always liked, you know, the heavy equipment. I've always liked the construction, construction atmosphere. Um, so went into that and went into getting a degree in occupational safety and health from Murray State University. So I was working for that, uh, the company that I actually did an internship for down in St. Pete, Florida. And uh, it was a great, great opportunity, uh, eye-opening. After going through and thinking um, in my young career that I understood everything about safety, and I knew all the uh, ins and outs of the OSHA books and all the different books, um, it was an eye-opening experience to actually start working with people and people's attitudes and different views. And um, one thing we're going to talk about that I'd like to cover today is the generational gaps. I was, you know, coming out of college, 20 something, and I was dealing with uh, people that have been in the trade 20, 30 years. And, you know, they're 60 some and, you know, I'm trying to educate them or teach them um, how to do safety. And what do you know? Yeah, exactly. It was like, hey, you're what are you? You're a young snot-nosed punk, and you're telling me about what I need to do, and I've done this for thirty years. So that was a great opportunity, and I learned a a lot when I was down there and dealing with it. Um, One story, uh, you know, I always like to share stories, and I'll tell the story later on. But it was a a concept of understanding leadership and understanding how the proper way to talk to people. And I think, you know, with me coming on and and doing this podcast with you, that's the message I really want to send is. There's ways to talk to people and there's ways you don't talk to people and there's ways you get people to buy in and there's ways you make enemies really quick just the way you talk to them. So we're going to cover that later on. But uh, so that's what I did in in Florida. And then I said, you know what, I'm going to come and move back home. I'm originally from South Bend, Indiana. I figured Indianapolis was a good setup because it was a bigger city. I was a little bit used to that. So I came back and actually uh, started getting my master's at Indiana State University in safety management. And then actually I further went on and just said, I'm going to continue to work smarter, not harder, I guess. And I got my PhD in safety engineering. Uh, I'm a certified safety professional, a CSP, and, and I have uh, most of the other accolades that you can get into with, you know, the specific industries that we, we work in here at Safety Management Group Utilities in general, uh, construction and then manufacturing. Um, so in a nutshell, that's kind of my background and where I've worked. And like you said, you know, you and I have shared a lot of gray hairs, I guess, at safety management group. Um, we've worked here a long time. Um, and just want to throw this out for the group since I have this audience is, uh, I actually have more seniority than Randy, even though he's my boss, I have more seniority than him. Uh, cause That's he took a, he, he took a, a, a little migration for a little bit. <laughs> so, so it was a sabbatical sabbatical. sabbatical. Yeah. <laughs> migration, same thing. Birds. 18 months. 18 months. But it so was yeah. Good. So that's, um, that was, that's basically, um, my background in a nutshell, and we'll get into a lot more detail as we go on with this, this discussion. Great, great. Well, you know what, in 20 years, I don't know. I didn't realize that story. Um, that when you were working, yeah, as a I don't, young man, and yeah, I, don't, I relate to that. Um, just based on, uh, my first project here, I worked with a superintendent, uh, still a really good friend of mine. He's retired now. I worked for a big construction company, big general contractor, and his son was killed. Uh, wow. in, a, in a construction accident in, uh, I think the early nineties, uh, he was working on a paving crew and he was staging trucks in, uh, walked in behind one of the trucks and, um, bent over to, I think tie his boot 
and the truck driver didn't see him, threw it in reverse for whatever reason, backed over him. Wow. Mm. Thought he, from what I understood, thought he ran over a bucket and pulled back forward. And uh, just a bad deal. But I learned that uh, still, you know, tough on the family and, you know, even all these years later. But, um, yeah, that's that's a shame. Um, and, you know, what's funny is, you know, I don't share that story with a lot of, like I guess I would say, like safety professionals or folks like that. I, I share that story a lot with workers and mm-hmm. employees in the field, uh, folks out on the, you know, you're kind of your frontline defense. And it strikes home and they understand then you're kind of a, a normal, common person. You're not this person that's all about safety, but you've been there, done that. Um, you kind of seen it. And also, too, then you've been affected by it, too. Sure, so. sure. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to switch gears a little bit, and I want to um, talk about, um, uh, first, let's hit uh, maybe advice for, for young professionals and students coming out. I know you teach at IEPUI. So That's right. We could talk a little bit about that. And then um, maybe any advice that you could offer these young students. I know we hire interns. You have a, an intern that's going to be starting uh, this year uh, supporting our environmental team, but... Um, Maybe you could jump into that a little bit and talk about uh, your your teaching experience and maybe advice for for students. Sure, yeah, that's great. That's one of my passions, especially at Safety Management Group here. Um, given being being able to kind of reach out to younger uh, individuals, younger folks in the in their career, it might not be actual age wise, but it's younger in their career to actually teach them the right way that safety should be promoted on the job sites. Um, sometimes we get a false sense of understanding that you have to be the loudest, you have to yell the loudest, you have to sit out there and cuss at people to get respect. And sometimes that's that's not the message you're going to you're need and a lot of younger folks uh, like just like probably you and I have is we've learned through experience. We've learned that if your dad, if my dad, you know, whoever your first boss, my first boss, if they taught you that way that this is the way you get attention, then that's the way you think. So We've had a great opportunity here, and I've, I've, I've actually loved the opportunity to grab on to um, students at my IEPUI class that are going going to be going in and being, you know, project engineers, project managers, superintendents of different sites. Um, also, too, here at Safety Management Group to be able to grab folks that are younger in their career and, and, and school them, teach them the right way to talk to people, the right way to interact. And how do you get more buy-in instead of just getting your point across because yeah you can get your point across but if somebody's not listening that's pointless because yeah you know it but do they know it that's the question and so like teaching at uh, IUPUI I've done that for about five six years uh got into it didn't think I was going to be any good at it I guess and uh and I loved it and the students seem to love it because I'm bringing a real world real world perspective uh, into the classroom instead of going in and talking to a professor that is, you know, maybe just book smart. I'm coming in with the book knowledge, but also to given the, the stories, like we talked about, uh, giving them the perspectives of this is really what you're going to get into. And a lot of that stuff's not captured in a book yet. And it's a shame, but I guess it works out well for me because then people want to hear that, that story, hear that message. So sure. We have, you know, we have a, a great opportunity to, to be able to teach the younger folks the the challenges you know, dealing with teaching is you have different folks and different learning styles out there. And within the academic world, you know, you only can lecture at some aspects. The nice part about me helping do this at safety management group is the ability to lecture, to talk and to teach, but then also too to go out and get practical experience. And 
that's the one thing we do here, and I love it. We do, and we're going to talk about it here in a little bit, but the safety boot camp is a fantastic opportunity that we share here at Safety Management Group to have people get that safety engineering understanding, that background of OSHA standards, OSHA regulations, you know, industry practices. But then also, too, we take them and we give them that practical side. Um, and if you're looking at, you know, the laws of human learning, they're going to retain that new whoever, if it was a superintendent that's going to be a safety professional now for XYZ company, that person is going to retain almost 60 to 70% more because of the practical experience we go out and kind of I go out and mentor them and coach them. And, and it's a great opportunity to ask questions. And it's a, a setting that works really well because people then feel comfortable asking the questions that they don't know. A lot of people won't ask questions in a big group setting because they don't want to feel stupid or they don't want to feel inferior than the other group. And this is a, a great opportunity. And I, I love the fact that we went here, um, you know, years ago to help other, you know, smaller, you know, mid-sized construction companies uh, educate their folks and give them the ability to, to be good safety professionals. Cause you know, at the end of the day, and Randy, we know this throughout our industry is you are going to represent every safety person that anybody ever touches or comes in contact with. So if we can get good folks out there that have a good positive attitude, um, you know, really good at what they do, understanding of, you know, the human interactions, then we're going to have success and I'll have success without even talking to that person based on somebody else has given a good discussion point of being a safety person. Yeah, I think excellent points. And I, uh, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, the way you approach, um, and interact, uh, with people in the field, it's going to make or break you right out of the gate. Oh, totally. Yep. That's right. That is right. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about the safety boot camp. You brought that up. Uh, we started that, I think it's about been about five years, right? I think so. You're again, you're dating me again, Randy. It's scaring me. (laughs) It's been about five years and we've put several people through that, uh, internally. I, I mentioned one, um, individual mark miller who was uh our first boot camp that's right uh first person that you put through our boot camp and uh, mark knocks it out of the park for our clients um but we've had several that we've put through it internally and and also uh you've supported some of our clients with that with that boot camp so can you take uh, take us through the boot camp and um you know from start to finish you know everything from the interview all the way through the the training effort. That, no, that's great. Yeah, the, what's really interesting about this boot camp, what's different than anything else I've seen out there, and I've thought about this throughout my whole safety career of how do we help people get better besides doing you know uh, let's say a basic OSHA thirty hour class where it's talking about just standards or it's just talking about subparts, which most of us in this room, if you're a safety professional or anybody, you can probably read it and try to figure it out. This never been discussed about the interaction part of it, the human interaction, and then how do you actually give personal examples so people understand and learn. And this is something that we went in and, and you gave me the ability to, for the endeavor and went in and actually grabbed on these folks like the Mark Millers and you know some of our internal folks. And we do an interview process. I sit there and do an interview process with them so I can sit there and understand what is this person's background, what are their needs, how will it relate to safety, and this interview process, the nice part about it is it's customizable where it's not a set form. It's just an open dialogue discussion to make sure that we feel very comfortable. If this person's strong technically, well, then we can go towards the, the personal understandings. Uh, if this person 
is technically strong, maybe came right out of uh, college and feels like they got it under wraps on the technical side, then we go towards the interaction side of human behavior and, and looking at that to make sure they feel very comfortable with that part of it. Um, so it's a unique process. We do the interview process. We find that out. I find that data out, put it together, kind of crunch some numbers. And then I build a customizable training protocol program for this individual that is going to work on their weaknesses, going to help their strengths, but it's also going to work on their weaknesses and making them feel extremely, um, come more comfortable as a safety professional. Um, being a safety professional, going out on site by yourself and you're going to a, a construction site, you're going to a facility that has three to 500 employees. It can be overwhelming, especially you're by yourself. I mean, nobody's holding your hand and to teach them that, Hey, it's okay. And your technical abilities are good. You know, we looked at your personal abilities are great and you should feel a lot more comfortable. That comfort level comes with understanding this. And not all of us, you know, you mentioned a couple of folks, not all of us have the opportunity to go to college or go to school to be a safety person. Not all of us have the ability or have the, the, the background to be in the field for 35 years and understand, you know, the practical understanding of it. This program, this boot camp, the, the, the main intent, what I try to do here is to take both of those and make the perfect person, the perfect safety person that can go out and understand both sides of that story, both sides of the cone or the coin is what they always talk about. But they will go out there and be able to be a technical interpretation, but also to be able to relate that in common terms. And sure. it works wonderfully. It's, it's been working wonderful. And actually, um, we did it internal just as a kind of a pilot test, I guess you say, a, what they call it, a beta test to yeah. make it more professional. Right. Um, but then we went out and we talked to a lot of our partners and they had a, a huge need for it because of at that point in time, they couldn't hire a safety professional. Um, but what they did is they internally hired a person, maybe a superintendent uh, for their company that showed all the value systems, had all the relationship systems built up but this person needed to do have a change of, of work. And they made a safety director or safety person out of this safety manager out of this person. And it helps because of that person has those relationships, but doesn't have the technical experience and knowledge base and doesn't understand the legal ramifications too, of if you're making wrong calls or if you're not making the call period, uh, there's a huge legal ramification there too. And, and this helps understand all that from workers comp to recordability to the litigious society. It happens and it works out beautifully on that one. Yeah. You, um, uh, the class, um, basically I, what I, what I, th what I really like about it is it's tailored to the individual. I mean, you spend time, uh, interviewing, uh, completing that needs assessment. And, um, so the duration of the class could be, two weeks or it could be three months, right? That's right. Yeah. It really depends on, uh, what's the commitment level for that individual. Cause I really look, even though, you know, yes, we're in the, the, the business to make money and that's fabulous, but I'm also looking at that commitment level of that student that I have in front of me. And when I say student, it could be somebody that's right out of college, 20 some years old, or it could be somebody that's 60 years old and trying to be the, a safety person now. But if that commitment level's not there, I will actually step away and say, you're, you're not going to get what you need out of this person because they're doing it for all the wrong reasons. Um, and it kind of goes back to my background, like I told you about earlier and the folks listening, you know, there's a reason I do safety. I've seen the, the end result of somebody being run over by a low boy truck. I've seen um, and had to have that discussion on different sites where there was a fatality and had to deal with that. Um, 
So you have to understand the commitment level of, yeah, it's, it's nice. You get to sit in an air conditioned office and you might be looking at that towards your, your future, but that's not really what all it is. Um, it's actually a lot more than that. And I make sure they understand it's a lot more than just walking around acting like a safety person. Great. So let's jump into, uh, we'll stay on the, uh, safety leadership path. And I know, um, over the past, what, probably three or four years, uh, you've been, uh, traveling all over the country and, and outside the country teaching uh, safety leadership concepts, behavior-based concepts. Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, your experiences um, with that? Yeah, I, it's it's amazing how this thing has just progressed and, and transformed and changed from starting with just, you know, my my goal and my, my goal for my personal goal and then us at Safety Management Group, our goals are to be different. You know, what is the, what is the new endeavor? What is something different? Like great example is us doing this podcast right now. I mean, this is fabulous. You know, this is a great forum to have safety professionals and have people be able to listen to a true safety person saying, Hey, this is what I've been through trials and tribulations. And maybe this will affect you in some way, shape or form. So the ability to, to take this leadership concept and to go basically everything, I call it everything that, you know, school didn't teach you, all right? This is human, you know, talking about human error, talking about risk understanding. And there's a multitude of topics, talking about communication, verbal and nonverbal communication when you talk to people, when you're communicating that, you know, your message is being sent when your lips are, are shut. You know, you're, there's a message being sent. If you've got crossed arms and people are all upset or look like they're, excuse my French, pissed off. Uh, <laughs> you know, this is one of those things that that's a reality. It's a reality. And to be able to put that in a forum, of a leadership training leadership concept that's you know a day two days long um and it, it's it's great because it teaches people the stuff that they go oh i think i already know that and then when we do the class and we teach them a lot of the stuff they they go oh my gosh i had absolutely no clue because um, it's one of those things you don't know what you don't know and when i put it in a sense of hey you know this is what we're talking about safety wise this is the stuff you're going to deal with yeah it's an osha regulation and you can read a standard book but do you really understand what risk is? Do you really understand that everybody makes error? So human error. So, you know, to sit there and say, well, it was the employee's fault. Well, yes, yeah, we all know that because they're, they're imperfect. They're not robots. They're widgets. Okay. They're not widgets. So this is one of those things that it puts in, in for companies to make sure they can build their safety program the right way. And their leadership, you know, their, the frontline leadership is the most important. They understand that, Hey, People are going to make mistakes, but this is why we do all this safety stuff, safety programs and policies, because we have to counteract the the known errors potential. So it, it was a great opportunity. I've done this in, had a uh, client that took me to, you know, Scotland. I went in Scotland and did a class in Scotland, went in Germany, did it in Germany, which is very interesting because we actually had a, a translator yeah, and, uh, I would say something. We had a translator that would speak German, and uh, I know enough German to be dangerous, so I didn't. I actually didn't try to talk. Um, but it was one of those things that, you know, at the end of the day, at the end of that training, you know, my fear was something would be lost in translation, and it actually went perfectly. I mean, yeah. it, the client was extremely happy. and wanted actually us to go to, to uh, China and Taiwan and continue this path, um, teaching all of them because they're a, a global company. And uh, it was just a great opportunity, and it was, it was fabulous because you're teaching folks that maybe have never even seen the, the U.S. stuff, um, you know, the U.S. safety stuff, and you're teaching them 
something they probably have never seen or heard before. Yeah. Um, and so it was, it was a great opportunity. And, you know, this is something that I've done, you know, in the U.S. a multitude of different times from, you know, utility contractors to heavy construction, you know, to general industries. Um, and it works wonderful. And they, I've yet to have anybody go, oh, this isn't something we already knew. This is just something it's kind of if you see it as the industry changes right now, the new industry flavor is leadership concepts. But the nice part about what I do is it's realistic leadership concepts. I talk kind of the way everybody's listening right now. Well, I talk the same way. But the nice part about it is I can, if I need to, I could always bring in the PhD of safety engineering aspects <laughs> and, and get technical. Sure. But it's going to be real understanding of what safety understanding and leadership concepts are. Yeah, we talked about uh, what kind of a hurdle that would be. Uh, taking the training international right because you can tell by how passionate you are about the topic so we you know internally we were like how how are we going to pull this off with an interpreter you know just the excitement that's know, right yeah the stories all those things but you did it no so. it was yeah it, it, like i said it, i had a lot of sleepless nights thinking <laughs> about it but uh you know, like like most of the things in the in your world that you you know, and in, in the folks listening, you know, sometimes we worry about things and everything works out at the end, but you worry so much about it, it was wasted worries. And this is one of those type of things that if you're you know, if you feel like you have a good product, you feel like you really truly care and it's coming from the right spot, um, you really want people to understand leadership concepts and make themselves you know their them better for the, themselves, their companies. Um, it all works out, works real well. I know one thing you mentioned was, um, you know, we're out there on the, on the edge trying to do the next best thing and what's, you know, taking risks, um, you know, our theme of, you know, move the needle. That's right. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, this is definitely one of those areas, right? And this week I was in a meeting, uh, we're looking, uh, looking at partnering with a firm on, uh, VR. So virtual reality mm -hmm. and I, the, you know, we spent two hours kind of uh, brainstorming and looking at, you know, what can we do to enhance a boot camp? What can we do to enhance a 10 or a 30 hour that's, you know, you're, you're teaching, you know, from a slide set, right? Right, right. It's like Charlie Brown's teacher, huh? Just monotonous. Uh, but, wah, wah, wah. but I tell you what, the VR is, is something that um, it's very cool. It's up and coming and uh, I'm excited about it. We're working hard on it and uh, anyway, I think it's, you know, again, just, uh, the whole idea of, uh, new ideas, uh, I've got, you know, your take 30 for safety bracelet I'm wearing, That's you right. know, uh, talk a little bit about take 30 for safety and what is that? The take 30 for safety. And actually you brought it up with the virtual reality training is I get a lot of people that, you know, they're visual learners and, you know, for myself, my background, you know, and my, you know, my dad's, you know, my history is he's built every house I've ever lived in. So as a carpenter, he's taught me a lot, but he has the hardest time telling you how to do something. He can show you how to do something and, and, and you can see it, but he can't tell you. Um, so that was one thing that you brought up the virtual reality, but also too, in a lot of my trainings in the take 30, like you referenced, you know, this is showing people pictures of different unsafe conditions, maybe it's unsafe behaviors, positive and negative. And being able to see that and have it there right in front of them. And then they have to make the choices on what do you see in this picture? I call it the picture within the picture. Everybody can see the easy stuff. I mean, you can be not even a safety person and see, you know, somebody 30 feet high with no fall protection on. But can you see the other stuff in the background? The seven or six or six or seven other things, 
housekeeping, you know, confined space entry. Uh, hey, the guy doesn't have personal protective equipment on. Can you see that other stuff? Because at the end of the day, if you're a firm and you're saying, hey, our numbers are, are fair, but they're plateauing or they're just kind of just there. What are we doing wrong? You're not seeing the picture within the picture. You're seeing the easy stuff and your programs definitely working that well. But you're not testing. You're not, your folks aren't pushing themselves to see that picture within the picture of hazard recognition to be able to fix those before they turn into um, a recordable, turn into a lost time, turn into some unplanned event that you don't want that's going to affect you, your numbers, and it's going to affect your program. Um, so the thirty, you know, the the take thirty for safety is one module um, that I created that I put together in a very normal um, conversational piece, but it teaches people to open their mind up. And to look deeper into a snapshot in time. Because everything safety-wise, um, from going on site visits to audits, inspections, whatever, those are all snapshots in time. All right, It's a 3D snapshot in time. But that's what we're teaching them. We're teaching these folks, especially in the boot camps and the leadership of concepts, is to take that snapshot and really look into that snapshot. Sure. Um, for so it's, it's a great opportunity. It's a fabulous training, too. Yeah, so you've, you've walked hundreds of jobs, right? So what's what advice would you offer um and i know it's around take 30 right but what advice would you offer boots on the ground you hit the site what are you looking for how how, how are you looking at the now you know what that's a great question and when i do this take 30 for safety um the one thing that i put together is a, a little uh cheat sheet like a little card you know and the nice part about it is we're not in the uh, academic world. So cheat sheets are actually legal as a safety person. I don't know if you knew that. I live my life by Share cheat sheets now. Yeah, I know. So, so the cheat sheet that I have is basically um, areas, seven areas that most of your hazards that you see on a job site um, from unsafe behaviors to unsafe conditions are going to be captured in those. So we know those. We know those are there. That's a no-brainer. That's safety one-on-one. When I go to a job site, and the, the years that I've done this, and I've, it progressed over time, and it takes a lot, it takes a lot of time and effort just to learn the process. Is I go looking when I first get on that job site, wherever I'm at that facility, I start looking for the hard stuff. I want to look for that picture within the picture. I want to look for something that's off the radar of my little cheat sheet, and try to grab that because of what's going to happen is once people understand who you are and what you're doing out there as doing a you know, people say safety audit. We like saying observation because it sounds a little bit less, you know, intrusive. Sure. So we're doing a, you know, safety observation. People will all of a sudden, they will change their behavior based on who's watching them. Uh, it's called, it's actually, there's a theory about it. And not to get too deep on you, it's called the Hawthorne effect. And uh, what happened, I think it was in the 1930s, 1932. Um, basically, it was an understanding that when people are watching, when people know they're being watched, their actual behaviors will change. And, you know, they did this study and, and it was basically, it was a uh, quality slash efficiency study. And they found out that in the, this Hawthorne, it was an electrical company, that when people are watched, they were working more efficiently and quickly. But when they knew they weren't being watched, you know, of course, hey, let's go get a smoke break or hey, let's, <laughs> let's say talk about the Super Bowl or whatever. And it's the same process. I grabbed onto that and I said, that's the same process that we see in safety all the time. When somebody's uh, nose are being watched or OSHA's on site or the owner's on site, everybody will work safely. And even and they know, they know how to work safely. But at the end of the day, once that person leaves site or somebody takes off, um, then all of a sudden your true behaviors, you know, your, your true understanding comes out and 
that's what we got to work on. That's the part that's scary is you know how to do it right, but do you do it right, you know, all the time for the right reasons? Or are you doing it right just because of, you know, Mr. Safety's there or Mr. OSHA's there or Mrs. OSHA's there? That's the problem. That's sure. where you, and that's where you get into culture and understanding culture. So if you could elaborate a little bit, one, one thing that you mentioned um, uh, when we were talking about uh, audit versus observation, you mentioned audit as being intrusive. I think that's an excellent point we need to, to drive home with our listeners. Yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's great. And I didn't even know you caught on to that, but that's something that, you know, we've worked on a lot of times, you know, within the industry, you know, the first analogy you always hear of a safety person is a safety cop. And so when you're the language you use sometimes and in, in how you call certain things puts people in a defensive mode immediately. So if I'm coming to your job site and I say I'm doing an audit, some people immediately think of a tax audit, you know, and, you know, it's about that tax time. And if, if I called you up, you know, and f- the folks listening, if I called you up here in April and said, we're doing a tax audit, would you be excited about it? Or would you think, oh, Lord, what's going to happen now? I'm not going to be home. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So what we did, you know, and this is one thing that's just, you don't really learn in a book, but this is just through experience. And this is where the leadership concepts, the safety boot camps and everything we do. And I put together, I build for safety management group. We use vernacular. We use terminology that makes sure people understand that it's not, it's not a negative thing. An observation is an observation. I'm observing you to see if you're doing well, good, bad, great, whatever an audit has a negative connotation and that's the thing we got to worry about. Uh, example would be too, is, you know, a lot of times, you know, when somebody has a near miss, you've heard the term near miss within the industry. Um, we try to break away from that. We try to call it a, a free lesson, you know, cause that's basically a free lesson that at the end of the day, nobody seriously got hurt. Um, but I'll tell you right now, if you know, the moon's lined up a little bit differently that would have been a, a bad day. So, you know, it's, it's, it is wordsmithing a little bit, um, but a lot of times with wordsmithing, you get people to, to buy in a little bit better because you, you get them out of that defensive mode. Um, another example I'll give you, and this is the last one because I know we got plenty to cover today. <laughs> but, um, you know, a, a positive and negative, uh, as simple as that term is, positive and negative, when I go out and do a safety audit or when I'm talking about safety compliance, positive, oh, great, everybody loves positive. When I say negative, the first thing you think about is, what do you think about, Randy? Yeah, negative. Negative. You think, <laughs> oh, man, this is going, what am I doing wrong? <laughs> right. It shows your fallibility. And that's the right. thing is we try to get away from you showing your fallibility because humans in general don't like to show fallibility. So what we like to do is saying, hey, positive, and then an opportunity to get better. And you get rid of that negative term and you get an opportunity to get better. And people look at that and say, hey, that's great. You know, it's like, you know, I made a uh, New Year's resolution to, to lose weight. You know, I'm, I'm, I am negative on losing weight because <laughs> of the Super Bowl and eating chips. But, you know, if I use the term, it's a hey, it's an opportunity to get better. If I can stay this course and stay this path, it's going to help me be more successful and not come down to myself so hard. Sure. I had a uh, we had a question come in from our first. Uh, we had a great response from our first podcast. And um, one of the questions that came in relates to um, pre-planning work. And if we could talk about uh, maybe things that we've seen out there, tools that are available, uh, but pre-planning, um, kind of like daily safety planning out in the field. Not, not, a, not a project safety plan, but uh, 
morning crew huddles, any any best practices or advice you can offer in that area? Yeah, that's you know that's a hot topic because a lot of folks like doing um, what you brought up. They're kind of like a pre-planning tool, like a tailboard meeting they call them. Um, job safety analysis. There's all kinds of toolbox meetings. A generic term for it. The best tool or the best understanding I can give the folks listening is to to not try to give people what they want to hear to actually look at the job and actually do use that tool for the right reasons. Um, talk in normal terms. If there's a hazard, if there's a machine hazard, you know, you don't have to use, you know, super hard terminology to understand machine guarding and all this. Say, Hey, you know, don't put your hands there. It's going to cut your fingers off. And when you're talking to the different crews and folks, you'll get a lot more buying because of people you're talking at, you're talking to them. You're talking with them. You're not just talking at them. And that's what I have found. And I've done numerous kind of a sit, sit in. I do this thing all the time. I used to do a lot more uh, when I was more in the field is as a safety person, I would go out in the morning and I would make sure whatever client I was going out to, I would wear the hard hat color of the general laborers. And I would go out to their meeting and listen like I was a new employee just to see what kind of buy-in was happening. I wasn't a safety person. I wasn't a white hat. You know, I wasn't, you know, management. I was one of y'all. All right. And you will get a lot more understanding when people, again, when people are not aware of who you are or what you're doing and you're understanding, they talk a lot differently than if they do if there's a management person sitting there. And so, and they're successful at it. So my best advice to your question is to make sure people are talking how they would normally talk um, and making sure that they're, they're, they're showing their true caring of individuals and they talk normal. They're not trying to make it look better on a form or, or a piece of paper. Sure. Yeah. Not just a pencil exercise. That's right. right. Yeah. And a lot of people get confused because they have quotas and, and they have to have this thing done by seven o'clock and <laughs> you're missing the point. Right. Totally missing the point. Yeah. I, I had uh, relayed a story. Uh, I was out on a job site a couple of weeks ago and, um, you know, a lot of good things in place and they do a pre-planning exercise. Then when they get out to the field to execute, you know, we walk up on guys working in a situation that puts them at risk. And um, so in my conversation with uh, Tony Sykes a, a few weeks back, we um, hit on this and trying to, to talk, you know, he, he kind of relayed the, the idea that, you know, comfort and, you know, I'm not quite comfortable, even though I might identify it as a risk, I'm just not comfortable bringing that up to my coworker. How, how do we get over that hump? You know, that's, that's another great question. You know, the, the first, my quickest answer is you have to, you have to have a culture on your safety culture on your job site and everybody, you know, listen to this. And most of us in the room understand what a safety culture is, but you don't know the, you don't understand the intricacies of the safety culture. And one of the biggest intricacies of a safety culture is considered, it's called a just culture. And to keep it real simple in layman's terms, a just culture is allowing your employees to have a questioning attitude whenever they feel they don't understand something on the job site. So you brought up the um, question about risk. I, I, I don't really understand this risk. Well, if that employee is in a company or in an environment that promotes you know, a just safety culture, which is a positive safety culture, they're allowed to ask the opportunity, have the opportunity to ask their foreman, the project engineer, the superintendent, the safety person, anybody. I don't understand this. And yeah, it might sound stupid to you, but explain it to me so I feel better about it. And that's one thing with what I teach. And the one thing that, you know, I'm a big proponent of is 
there are no stupid questions. I know there's a, there's a bunch of analogies on, yeah, there's no stupid questions, but they're stupid people and all this stuff. But the thing is, is if you allow that questioning attitude, especially before anybody actually does anything unsafe or have an unsafe behavior, you've, you've succeeded in what you're looking for. Um, you know, you, that risk is now mitigated in the sense of you allow that person to have that questioning attitude. The problem here, you know, Randy, the biggest problem here is a lot of people don't like to be questioned, you know, and I know you and I both have kids and, sure. you know, how many times have you told your kids, just do it because I told you to do it, <laughs> you know, and that's a questioning that for the group and everybody out there listening is how many times have you said that? Just track how many times you've told people that because you didn't want to answer that question or maybe you didn't have an answer to that question. A just culture is a, a huge part of a safety culture that allows employees to have that questioning attitude. And it's a, hey, I'm going to answer this for you and make sure you feel extremely comfortable about what you're doing right now. Yeah. So. You know, um, when you think about uh, getting the message out early, you talked about kids. Uh, one of our one of our team members, um, I'm actually next week uh, heading over to one of the local high schools and um, they have a trade program. And one of our team members uh, has a son that's going through that program. And... Um, they're posting pictures and things on web, on the on the web about hey check out what the kids are working on yeah I mean, long story short right check out what the kids are working on uh our advisor uh sees that and is like hey, time out wait a minute you know so he's reached out to the school to say hey you know this is what i do for a living i'm a, you know i'm a safety professional and and now i'm seeing not only my son but all these kids in this program and uh, what are what are you doing to teach um, you know, safety concepts and, uh, you know, so I guess my point or my question really is relating to, um, if you go from one job to another, you you talk about a just culture, one employer to another, it's going to be different. Right. So I think, how do we, we start getting this message earlier to kids, right. And teaching them, the concepts, whether it's through a trade school, you know, an early intervention through a high school program or a trade school or whatever. Right. Yeah. Um, no, that's a good point. I don't know. Just no, no, that's a great point. And you know, what's funny is, um, you know, like what you were involved with, I actually was asked by, um, high school to come speak, uh, in their, in their world because of, you know, they have no concept of what a safety engineer is or a safety person, um, because it doesn't meet the normal criteria of like a, you know, civil engineer, mechanical sure. engineer. And, so in March, I'm actually going to go and, and speak to a bunch of high school students about what a safety person is and make them understand that the stuff that they are actually being taught at their little jobs, let's say they're uh, cooking chicken for uh, KFC, all right? There's a reason they're being taught about PPE, uh, working with the, the grease and the fryers, uh, slip trips and falls. That's why they tell them, hey, be careful slip trips and falls. At that time, they don't understand that that is being a safety person and somebody had to build that program. But when I talk to them and get them uh, to understand those concepts and there's always reasons for that, hopefully it will light a fire in some of them to say, hey, you know, I want want to get into that. I want to get into that field because, you know, as you and I both know, I mean, good safety people are hard to find. And a lot of it is, you know, making sure that you're grooming this person to fully understand what the point point of safety is. Um, And you know what's funny? You know, I – to bring up the point that you mentioned about the trade school, uh, taking pictures and showing, you know, publishing them. Um, that's one other thing that I don't know if you know this, but I do, uh, all the expert witness cases here. Right. And, uh, there was a couple cases that I did where actually there was a, you know, a, an injury, um, significant injury. 
And all that stuff just is discoverable when you publish all that. And that mm-hmm. was actually pulled up by the, uh, the lawyers, the attorneys. And that's stuff that they can actually find out. So to have somebody in that, that realm, and that's you know a trade school or whatever, you know, union hall, you got to be real cautious with that stuff because that stuff will, it will definitely get you potentially in trouble. And at the end of the day, you know, do you really want to go to court about that, when, especially when somebody got hurt, or would you just settle it out of court and lose a lot of money? Sure. Yeah, so you mentioned um, expert witness testimony, and um, I know um, that is uh, you, you primarily, uh, any, any opportunity we have that comes in, um, you take those on. Um, you want to talk any more about that or any? You know, I, I'll just briefly cover it. Is, you know, I've done, you know, probably 10-plus cases um, and those throughout the whole United States. And, you know, the interesting part about that I've found, and especially when I, when I teach this at the university and then also do when I teach folks um, the leadership concepts and the boot camp and, you know, soon to be, you know, safety engineers, safety people, they have to understand that, at the end of the day, we are a litigious society only getting worse. And every case that I've ever done uh, pretty much has settled out of court. I mean, we've had a couple that have went to the the last minute of the day, but it settles out of court based on if I have a picture of somebody being hurt, you know, do you want to see the, the mom, the dad, the wife, the son sitting there crying into a jury and the jury looks at that? You're going to lose more than more than likely lose that case unless you have really, really good understanding. Um, a lot of times, you know, with the expert witness, um, stuff that I do for safety management group is, is just having a person help attorneys. And I had one great attorney, you know, and he was fabulous. He was, he looked at me and when I first met him, he was like, uh, you know, I was like, man, this guy's a really polished attorney. I'm scared to death. You know, I'm thinking, man, this guy knows everything. And after a couple of meetings, he looked right at me and goes, Mark, I don't know anything about safety. He goes, I know about being an attorney real well. And he goes, I need your help on this safety stuff. And after that time talking with that attorney, that's my goal is to help them be successful in whatever case they have. And I, I myself and safety management group, I'll take cases based on, I have to understand the case first. If I'm going to help you. Awesome. If I'm not going to help you. I'll, I'll lead you to somebody that maybe could help you a little bit better than I could. Um, but anything wise, you know, tech, I've done a lot of technical interpretations. I've done a lot of, you know, deposition type stuff. It, it's, it's great, but it's one of those things that, it can make or break your case, the expert witness you have. Um, sure. I've had, I went against other expert witnesses that, it, I don't know how they were an expert witness, but <laughs> it was interesting. Let's just say that. Um, and at the end of the day, the, the goal here is, is making sure you, you have the person, the company, whoever you're, you're working with uh, become whole again in sure. some senses. Okay, I'm going to uh, circle back um, your, uh, your career um, again over over 20 years here but um what um what have you learned you know if you if you look back on on um your career and say hey um i'm gonna tell this young guy what 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 would you tell uh, randy you are, tell you, are you circling back to my story that i told everybody i was gonna <laughs> i was gonna tell i'm trying to set the stage and make everybody really want that story that i told <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you bringing that up. And this is something I, I had in the back of my mind. I wanted to make sure I, I told the audience here the story that I, I mentioned earlier. In earlier in my career, you know, when I talked to you about my past and growing, you know, growing up in South Bend and, you know, working in Florida. In Florida, I had a gentleman that I was on this job site and um, had a call come over the radio. And um, it was a pretty significant event. The person fell through some grading, the grading long story short, rusted and the actual clip broke and he fell probably about 
two stories and shattered all his everything his lower extremities um shattered everything and i knew the guy i mean being on that job site you start getting you know you start knowing these folks especially when you're on the job site full time you know about them their wives their kids their families their interests and i went out there um to respond just to make sure everything was all right and everything was happening the way it should have emergency procedure wise and i went out there and i'm helping the guy and there was a guy in another uh, firm that was on the job site because it was a huge job site and they had a full-time safety person too older gentleman and he came out there on a golf cart and i had to walk everywhere because i was a young snot nose safety engineer he came out on the golf cart and he's screaming at me from the golf cart about he wants his the report he wants the accident report now mind you this this accident just happened i mean this right. is when everybody's looking around the ambulance hasn't even got there yet and so i'm trying to take care of the worker and he's yelling at me well i a w- young in my career, I didn't know this, where I lost my crap, all right? Mm-hmm. So I looked at him and said everything under the sun to him and told him to shove his paperwork where the sun don't shine and everything else. Well, he was all upset, and he took off in his golf golf cart, and, man, I was hot, and I felt good at that time. I felt like, man, I, I you know what? I controlled this situation, you know? I took care of this crap, this, you know, this dude. Well, I got a call, you know, after the, after, after the, you know, the ambulance left and everything was happening, I got a call from the project superintendent that said, come up to my office. And, you know, the folks listening think, oh, Lord, you know. That's how you up. ended up here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come up to my office. That's never a good thing. So I went up there and he looked right at me. And this guy, you know, he was a fantastic guy named George Burns. He was, taught me a lot about life. Never a safety person, just a superintendent, old grumpy guy. And uh, he looked at me and said, you feel better? I said, feel better about what? He said, that safety person from the other company called me and he's raising all kinds of heck saying that you were yelling at him and you're not, you're being um, uh, abusive to him and everything else. And he said, did that make you feel better? I said, well, at the point in time, it made me feel better. He goes, okay. He said, now what's it going to do for your relationship whenever you have to talk to this other safety person or when you have to deal with this other company? I said, it's probably not going to be that good, is it? He goes, no. He said, Mark, he said, think of this. He said, you screaming at somebody, it's kind of like peeing your pants. He said, at the point in time of when you start peeing your pants, it feels good. It feels warm. All right. But at the end of the day, when people look at you, they're going to say, what is that fool peeing his pants for? All right. And you look like a fool. And at the end of the day, you know, I, I walked out of there and again, I was 20 some, you know, brand new. I, man, I came out of school, man. I was a safety professional. I looked at that and I thought about that. And I said, man, he's right. Cause I did. I almost had, I almost felt, um, I, I almost was embarrassed in the way I, I handled that situation. Cause everybody thought, you know, why did he lose his mind? This is supposed to be our safety person. That's supposed to be taking care of us and making sure everything's calm and collective. And, and I lost my mind, you know? And so that was an interesting part. And you know, I learned from there and I teach that all the time that, Hey, you know what? Sometimes it's easier to kind of bite your lip and, handle it later because that relationship is going to be important later on in life. No, long story short, it's about relationships. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, no, it definitely. It's all about relationships for sure. Um, let's, uh, we talked about, uh, Mark Miller a little bit ago, and I know one of the things that we're working on, uh, internally, um, is, um, just, uh, generational leadership. How, how do we get better as a company on, on different things? And, um, that's one of the areas that, that we, uh, at, through, through surveys and, uh, interviews that we've said, hey, we have to to make some adjustments and and put some things in place to help us get better um, and provide the things that that our folks need. So, uh, can you talk a little bit about 
uh, generational leadership and, and what you're doing in that area relative to uh, leadership concepts and yeah, that's a that's a great point. That you're talking about the new uh, I want to say the new safety flavor of the month. You want to call it that? This is it. Um, with your baby boomers getting older and, and coming, kind of going out of the industry, and then you have your new generations coming up. You got to know how to talk to these folks and and how to talk to these specific groups and knowing what certain people have, you know, and certain people understand, and certain people sometimes just don't get it based on the way they grew up or how they grew up or what year they grew up. Um, when you're talking about gentlemen that are older, you know, you look at folks that are in that baby, baby boomer, uh, age range, when you're talking to them about safety, um, it's very interesting because of when I do this with different folks and different clients is you have to remember, you have to make it relevant to what they're needing safety wise, that how can it make them understand safety a little bit better instead of just always working, worrying about efficiencies. Well, if I do the safety thing, it's going to slow me down, which then my boss is going to be upset because we're behind schedule. Well, safety is not supposed to hamper that. Safety is supposed to be integrated into the whole process. But a baby boomer, a generational baby boomer is all about what am I turning out? What is that product? What is that product in my dawn schedule? Am I doing it? And that's based on the work ethic that they were, you know, back in the, you know, Great Depression and going on to the, you know, the, the 50s, you know, 60s, 70s. That's what the goal was is, hey, I, I work to make a check and I'm going to give you eight hours of work. All right. Now it's nothing against the next generation. The next generation is I'm, if I give you eight hours of work, I'm going to work about five out five of those hours and I need to take a break and I need to relax. And there's just a different mindset there. Um, so your work ethics are different. And this is one thing I, I explore tremendously, especially when I'm trying to educate and teach somebody how to be a safety professional is, is grabbing onto that generation. What generation do they come from? And this is all based on the customized feature of, in the interview process and making sure people understand that, okay, there's certain ways you reach out to certain people and how you communicate to them. Um, a baby boomer. You know, I could talk to a baby boomer and I can talk right to their face and they prefer a face to face contact and they can look at my body language and understand where I'm coming from. I'm upset. If I'm sincere, whatever that would be. But if you look at the newer generation, and this is a lot of kids that I have in my class on my traditional side for, uh, in the school of Purdue, is I'm dealing with people that are used to tweets, um, Snapchats. Um, you know, again, with my kids, uh, if I text them, they won't text me back. But if I Snapchat them, all of a sudden I get a Snapchat back. You know, it's you have to be able to adapt to the situation. Okay. Um, you know, who would ever think we would be doing a podcast when you and I started, you know, 20 years ago, 19 years ago. I never thought you and I would be on here uh, doing this, you know, maybe in prison, you know, with a glass glass wall between us, but that would be about it. So it's one of those things that you have to be able to adapt to the situations you're actually in. And that's the one thing we're really pushing is understanding the different generations you have out there and then being able, being able to effectively communicate with all those individuals on the right, in the right way. It's, it's the end of the day, it's called building a rapport. And you have to figure out how do you build a rapport with somebody that is 65 and has a different view of life than you? And how do you build a rapport with somebody that's 21 and they think they're infallible and, and nothing's going to ever happen to them? How do you build that rapport with them? And this is all, again, talking about safety. Um, one side of it is I've never been hurt yet and I've done this for 35 years. The other side of it is I'm young. I'm not stupid. It'll never happen to me. So sure. that's what we found out. And that's what I build a lot on. So these are all the intricacies of what I've always 
produce and try to produce for my students and for, you know, the university for safety management group, you have to take all these things into account. And it's not a, it's not a quick, you know, easy dip uh, of hey, give them a 30 hour and call it a day. People learn differently. Everybody learns differently. People like to touch, smell, look at stuff. And other people, if you give them a tweet, they can say, okay, I figured it all out for you right there. So, so it's really interesting. That's an interesting concept. And I appreciate you bringing that one up. I know, um, you, um, in addition to your teaching, so we talked about IUPUI, so that's Indiana University, Purdue University, Indianapolis. I think it's important to, to bring up for people who don't know. Um, but um, one of the other things that, that we, uh, we try to do, right, internally uh, within Safety Management Group is uh, get out in the community and, and support, uh, whether it's uh, trade associations or whatever it is. And I know you've been active. Uh, you were on the Indiana Board of Safety Review. I actually took your spot after you you left that committee, and then now you're the chairman for the Indiana uh, Occupational Safety Standards Commission. So uh, can you talk a little bit about uh, that group and, and what you do? I can, yeah, and that's great. I'm glad you brought that up because a lot of people just don't understand that actually uh, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, they actually have this, this board, and this board is something that I chair that if you cannot, um, as a company, and you're trying to do the best you can, you're trying to do your due diligence and safety, but you just cannot meet a standard, all right? You met the, in, the intent of uh, keeping the employee safe. You've done everything safety-wise you can, but you just can't meet that intent of the standard. It gives the companies uh, uh, ability to come into our, our committee and to set their case, to state everything about their case, how they're you know protecting their employee, but this is how they cannot meet the intent of the government standard. And it gives us the ability to then sit there and, and vote on that to say, okay, we'll give you a, a temporary variance to the OSHA standard or we'll give you a permanent variance to the OSHA standard. And it's amazing that a lot more people don't take advantage of, of this opportunity because it's a board of industry professionals. I sit at the chair. We have people from all over the place. And it just gives that practicality to the OSHA regulations that I, I don't think people understand that sometimes – yeah, it's a, it's a rule and it's in the book and it's, it's written, but you got to have some variability sometimes. Cause sometimes, especially in construction, the construction side, things change and there's, there's nothing set perfectly, um, on trying to do the safety understanding, especially with fall protection type issues. So this is a, a group that I have that is, it gives you the ability to, to look at it, to make sure you meet the intents. And then also too, then you vote on it. And then actually it goes in and, uh, OSHA recognizes it and you actually can do that practice even though you're circumventing the actual standard rule, um, it's a temporary variance or a permanent variance to that rule. Um, here's a great uh, example I have. Um, there's a couple of them, but a great example of, we did one in uh, the Indianapolis Zoo here, and I'll keep it long story short, but it was a ladder, and it was a ladder where they couldn't meet the intents of a fixed ladder, and uh, it was in the new orangutan exhibit, and we had uh, vets come in, we had scientists come in to the to the committee and and tell us everything, everything about it, why they couldn't do it and why they were worried about it and what it would affect the animals. Um, and the, at the end of the day, we, we heard all this, and it was very, very interesting, especially when you don't know anything about orangutans and right. monkeys and primates. <laughs> but what was really interesting is they stated the case for safety on how they're going to, yeah, they, got, they have to do something different than what the, expected, the rules were. But at the end of the day, they were meeting the intents of keeping the employees safe, the people that were actually working with the, the animals. Um, so it was an awesome opportunity. But and that's one of those that you scratch your head and say, I don't think I ever have another one of those come in um, because of most of it is construction, manufacturing, general industry, that type. So it, it was awesome. It was great. 
Well, wow. Uh, it doesn't take long for us to get through this information. It's been a really good time uh, talking with you. Um, I'm going to, we've got a few more minutes. So I'm going to leave it open. Um, anything else you want to leave the, the listeners with? Um, you know what, Randy? Yeah, thanks a lot. And, th- you know, thanks for the opportunity to come and speak on this. I'm, if you can't tell folks listening, uh, I'm pretty passionate about, you know, this and the educational process and teaching people the true meaning of safety and how to truly reset and how to use people. Uh, to the best of their ability in the safety and health world. Um, the one thing I do want to leave real quick is, you know, I I am traveling around. I do a lot of speaking engagements for different uh, societies. I actually just got done a couple weeks ago with the um, tree conference, the Nationals Tree Conference. So if anybody out here hears this or see or, or listens to this and says, man, I'd, I'd love to maybe talk a little bit in more in depth about it. I hit a multitude of different types of industries. So everything is relatable. It's always safety related, but also too, it's about human interaction. And I think it'll work real well for whatever you need um, in any facet of the society that you, you run into. Great. So, thanks yeah. a lot, Randy. I do appreciate this. Yep. I appreciate that. We'll throw your, um, your uh, email address up on the intro uh, notes for the episode. That way, if anybody wants to reach out to you directly, that's uh, great. We'll that's awesome. That. Well, Hey, it's time for you to, um, one of the things we, we want our guests to do is, um, name their episode. So this, this is time for you to throw a title out there. Yeah. Any, you know what? Ideas? It's, it's funny. I was, you guys told me this and, you know, I was thinking, you know, try to be, you know, educational or something pretty smart, but you know, I thought about, you know, when I brought up the monkey story, have less monkey around safety, you know, and calling something like that. But now we're going to keep it where this title is going to be the lost art of human interaction. And why I titled it that way is people forget how to talk to people. We have too much technology nowadays and it's good. It's great, but it's also too a curse in some way. And I want to make sure people understand how to talk to people. Awesome. Thanks That's, for your time. Yeah, great title, man. And I, I want to, again, thank you, Mark. Um, been a, a great uh, business partner. Uh, we've worked together, a colleague, for, you know, 20 years now, and um, we have a lot of fun. So We do. Yes, I, we do. I appreciate your time. And uh, thank you all for listening to Divine to Zero. Divine to Zero.